0: This is the last episode of season five of the B2B Community Builder Show, and surprise, surprise, we're ending it on a selfish note. (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. As I am re-strategizing the direction of my company, the direction of this show, stay tuned for that, I am just really deep into redesigning my website and getting all my materials ready, and I realized that that first line of copy, that first top of fold thing that your website says is like the most important thing to really, really nail because it's the one receptacle that we all have that anybody that finds anything great that we put out, that's the first place that they're going to go. So I've been obsessed with it. And to my wonderful surprise, my good buddy, Joe Martin has um, become an expert in this, (laughs) which I was really impressed by. And, you know, he's a past star of the show super smart guy, really brilliant at the customer persona thing. And he realized that this was a great one problem to solve for people. So whether it's category design and the problem that you solve, whether it is knowing your clients perfectly or niching down or doing all these things, this conversation with Joe is super duper valuable from the thing he teaches to understanding his strategy and what he's done. And I had to have him on as the last guest of season five. If you want to know what's next, go to the end of the show. Or, you know, better yet, just listen to this episode. But I'll let you know what's coming up next after this episode. But for right now, pay attention. Because Joe Martin is a freaking genius. And it's not going to be hard because he's super animated. Enjoy, Joe Martin. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be, but think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy, that's why you're listening, to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then... You will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community When you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue. That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable. How to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you. If you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy, this show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the B2B Community Builder Show today. Joe, as people start trickling in here, you're just showing me a new trick, man. You just started switching around your uh, your camera on Zoom and uh, stepping up your game. A little bit.
1: Look at look at this. Last time we talked, I'm in the outside sunroom enjoying life. Now I'm I'm stuck in the inside office.
0: Uh, I love it, man. Um <laughs> uh, it is uh not a lot of people get the uh not a lot of people get the honor of uh two-time attendees, two-time two-time guests on the uh B2B Community Builder Show, man. Oh How it
1: no, happen? they don't. Uh, yeah. feeling honored, and, and I have to tell you, since our last interview, like, oh, you're just such a good interviewer, Pablo. Like you you asked the right questions. If this is this sets up for a fun conversation. I appreciate,
0: I, appreciate I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It is also another momentous occasion because um, this is the end of season five. But um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off because I think we got we got folks in the in the house. Do me a favor, check in in the chat. I want to see that you're here. I appreciate you being here. Uh, you ready to go, Joe? Right. Welcome everybody to the episode 2026 <laughs> of the B2B. Community Builder Show. This is a the last episode of season 5. We are going out with a blast with um one of my favorite all-time guests from before coming back on the show um because every time I talk to him I'm like oh my god this guy's just coming up with more and more genius stuff. And whereas before it was this like customer persona that I was obsessed with, all of a sudden I hear him talking about the thing that I've been most obsessed with over the last couple of months, which is the first sentence on your website. That little magical piece of copy that, according to our guest today, controls your business. He's a TEDx speaker. He is a um, Instagram musician. He does world-class covers of acoustic rap songs, which is one of my favorite genres of all time. Uh, and a super cool guy, Joe Joe Martin. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Oh, Pablo, thank you for having me again. Excited to be here. Excited to dig into all the, what I've narrowed down. I think the, the big thing I'm excited to talk into today is it's been over 24 years in this industry of looking at design and marketing. I've, I've built and sold two businesses and just how does it all tie together? Where does it all come back together? And damn it, Pablo, it's the first sense. It's
0: the first sense. Makes too much sense. Makes too much sense to not talk about it. Joe, I want to welcome the community. I appreciate you being here. I know we switched up. I, last show of the season, I just kind of like decided instantaneously just because I'm in a specific moment in my business where I'm doing some really exciting things. We're going to talk about that in the second hour on our relationship-driven growth open mic session when we bring everybody on. But I do want to welcome Venia, our our community scientist. I want to welcome Pratiti, my friend, uh, real estate expert and coach. Uh, We got Alexander Loretti in the house. We got Alex Adams in the house. Uh, Dan Windler, I believe a couple of those signed up the moment that you started promoting this thing, man. So I appreciate you uh, pulling pulling the folks here uh, with your star power, Joe. Uh, I want to just uh, jump right into it, man. First sentence of the website, pretty bold thing to niche into as the one thing that you promote. Uh, why is it so important, and why are you betting your your third company on this?
1: Ooh, it's, it's that it's the expectations that we set from the moment that someone comes into contact with the brand. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite studies that I just heard of recently, I need to look this one up more, but there was a study where they gave people like a, a piece of paper to look at and pull it up. And it was uh, different little pictures of a man slowly turning into a woman, like just a little bit each frame. And they asked them mm-hmm. when to go through and say, okay, at what point does the man turn into a woman? Like at what point does the picture change? And the people would get about two thirds of the way through and say, right about here is where it changes. And then they did it again. And they said, great, we're gonna start with the woman. At what point does it turn into a man? Two thirds of the way through. That initial expectation is so strong that we set to beginning. It's influencing everything. Everything is influenced by that initial sales outreach.
0: Wow, um, as Venya Community Sciences puts you in the chat, that's an evocative and critical representation of the ship of Theseus. You think somebody was going to give you that one? That's 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 the type of people we got here. That's that's what we um, okay. So it is the as somebody who is obsessed with the relationship building, and as somebody who likes to network and do all these things, and gets asked how to follow up, I'm always like, I don't really give that much thought into the follow up because I really lean into the first impression. And if you make a great first impression, it completely changes the dynamic of the relationship forever. All right. So I see this, I see this like above the fold, first line of the website. It is your first impression of your company. It is how people, when they first log in, um, is, are they legit? Are they modern? Are they, you know, like, are they, is it even for me? Is this- Do they get me? Yeah. Do they get me? Yeah. Yeah, and when we
1: and when we try to talk to everyone, we end up talking to no one. We've we've heard that adage, yet so many companies still do it. And when I ask people, who's who's that target customer? Who are you going after? And it's always you know thirty five to fifty five year old, and it's this, and you know it's a, it's a woman. And well, Pablo, I've never been a thirty five or fifty five year old woman. I know that the needs of those two people are different. We we can't talk to both of those people the same.
0: Uh, listen, at what point, at what point did you at what point did you decide this is it? What was the aha? Right. Like I know that you went from before when you were on the show, you were talking about that persona, like right, really nailing yeah. it in. You had amazing questions to really dial it in. I remember you opened up my mind to just like going like seven layers deep into why this person is doing something. And I I feel like from the outside looking in, this is an evolution of knowing the persona and knowing the persona being really, really valuable, but even more valuable is the fact that you can deliver this one line of copy by knowing the persona. What was the, am I, am I right there? What was the aha moment for you of, of this thing becoming the thing?
1: As we worked with more and more customers, I think it was just in that time of digging into more information as we developed more customer acquisition strategies we started realizing the messaging was one of the most important things we were presenting. And then as we looked at that even further, we realized that first sentence was one of the most important things we were providing. And that that's, that's what was setting the tone for everything else that if that sentence was in line, if that sentence spoke to the right person, to the right problem, to the right benefit, everything else fell in line from there with the acquisition strategy, but the acquisition strategy depended on that initial messaging and knowing who that initial person was.
0: Can you give me an example of that?
1: Mm, uh, we recently worked with a IT company. And what we found was that the IT company shouldn't be selling IT. Everything oh. they were doing, their, their first sentence was managed IT services for law firms. And, you know, he, he'd, he'd listen to me. Uh, he'd taken my advice for years. He narrowed down to say, great, we just work with law firms. But when we dug into that one target customer, they didn't want to buy IT. IT to them was big. It's, it's cybersecurity. It's all of my systems. It's all of the expectations that that person has when they read the sentence managed IT services. And that's why a lot of times we see that first sentence as taglines. And we see people write a first sentence and they say, mm, mm, that thing is good. The problem is that it's good to them. It's good to them because they have all the back knowledge of what that sentence means. But when someone else reads that sentence for the first time, it falls flat. And so with that IT company, we help them shift to talk more about hey, we're gonna help you get your calendars and get things in line so you can work remotely easier. We don't need to have a big conversation about IT. We need to find the problems the person has and speak to that problem.
0: So good, man. This is this to me hits on all the veins of things that I'm kind of obsessed with. What one one is category design, right? This idea of she who can state the problem the best will be known to have the solution right so evangelize the problem and you'll be known to have the best solution uh, and you're doing that in the first sentence the other thing that is a little bit less obvious there is I, at some point i read alex ramosi's book and at some point i started realizing how much the offer has a such a weight on the success of the company right like this idea that if you can if you can offer something with a quicker speed to win. And it's more clear what they want. And, and, you know, like these different things, um, it really, really changes things. And for me as a guy that is a terrible asker of things, I, I, when I, when I focus on what I offer, that feels very, very empowering. Um, and what I'm hearing from you is that you're injecting more offer and more problem into the first line of the, of the copy.
1: Uh, and I want to find that, that problem they have as well. Yeah. It can't just be. A, I want to know the thorn in their side that's up here, not the one that's down here, not the one they don't care about. What is that thing that's keeping them up? It's there. It's hurting them. That you're gonna be able to say, "I can, I can remove that for you if you like." Like I, it is how the company's gonna do it. Yeah. And this is what I see a lot. If we, if we think about the the sales arguments, we picture three boxes in front of you, and in the first box is the problem the person has. The second box is your solution to that problem. The third box is how you do it. And what we see all the time is people, they love Chicago. They love to take that three box and put it at the front. And so all of a sudden we're three, one, two. And that's not how we want that conversation to go. We need to lead with, this is your problem. I can solve that problem. This is how I solve it with my service, with being an IT company. Hmm.
0: All right, man. I'm in. I wanna. I wanna <laughs> know how to do this thing, right? Like the three boxes. I yeah. get it, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. how do you how do you start when somebody when somebody generally brings you a a web is you know are people bringing you a website already built? I assume everybody already has a website, right? So, like, what's the how do you walk people through this process for them to do it themselves?
1: Yeah, uh, we do it all in six weeks, and mm-hmm. so uh, it's a couple interviews with the key stakeholders, and there's people who do they do the work similar to what we do. Uh, one of the differences is there's companies that like to come in and say, Hey, I'm going to go talk to your current customers and I'm going to find out why they love you and then build from there, which yes, yes. That's what we want to do. We want to go from the customers. My problem is initially I need to start with the business owner. I need to start with the person who created this vision because whatever messaging those customers were sold on to begin with, it's already tainted. If that initial messaging was pushing, hey, we get this thing to you really fast and it's going to be really easy. When we talk to those customers, they're going to be reiterating, hey, this thing was fast, this thing was easy. We're going to get other pieces out of it as well. But it's not always what the owner intended to create. And that's where we we go through about a three-hour workshop with the owner, with the key stakeholders, and just I've got the questions of who is this person? Why do they care?
0: Got it. So it is a, so you sit down with, um, talk to us. So if I'm, if I'm right now rewriting, re rewriting my, my webpage, I'm rewriting the first line. Give me a couple of examples of questions that I, that I need to be asking myself.
1: Oh, the first one, the biggest one, Pablo, and this is where I always see the aha moment. when We work with clients. Uh, I ask them if the person is male or female, uh, everyone is very sweet. Everyone always says, well, it could be either. And I say, yeah, 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 I know. They don't want to be exclusive. And that's one of the big things. No one, A lot of people fail to pick one person because they think if I pick one person, I'm excluding all of these other people. And please, please, everyone watching, please get that out of your mind. Get that, Get that out of your mind. Not a thing. When we talk to one person, we are not excluding everyone else. Adele didn't write a love song for a million people. Adele wrote it for one, one person. But a million people still connect with it. And that's what I want you to do. Pick that one person that you're going to, who's going to love you, love what you do all the way through and go from there. So the biggest question I always ask, gets that aha moment is how old is this person? Mm. The answer I get is normally uh, 40 to 50 or 30 to 40 years old. And then I have to ask them again, how old is this person? And that's usually like, oh, oh, we're doing one person. I got it. And then we get into their, okay, they're 42 years old. Great. where did they grow up? what did they go to college for? Are they married? Are they happy? Do they floss? What did they eat for dinner last night? Do they drive to work? Do they even care about doing better at their job to hire you in to begin with? Because if they don't, let's not waste our resources trying to win that person. Let's spend our resources towards the person who is most likely to say yes and work with you.
0: Hmm so na- so narrow in on one person right like describe them as detailed as you possibly can right fall in love with them fall in love
1: with them yes okay
0: okay fall in love with them right what does what does that look like so age, gender, where they went to college what their favorite um drink of choices what you know what uh what brand they play you know like are are we just doing physical attributes at what point do we start talking about? the things that they come to you for.
1: Uh, so with what we do, the first hour and a half, so the way we've designed this process, mm-hmm. uh, the first hour and a half is just about all of those small details about the person. And one of the reasons I need to do that is because I need to displace the founder or the owner's ego. I need to make sure they know this thing isn't built for me. It's not about me. I need them to take it out of their head and say, okay, this is who I'm building it for. And I found that it takes an hour and a half to drill that in, to get into these small, inane questions. What what is their dog's name? And it it creates this this permanent shift once we do it, that then they can never go back to unseeing that person. There's people that we've worked with uh, six, seven years ago on some of this stuff who have reached back out to me to tell me they still have that person printed out, hanging up in their office, and they reference it all the time. That it's always there once we go through this. Once this shift is made, oh, it's permanent.
0: Reminds me of the Bezos letters and that whole thing of like how Bezos at all at all meetings, there's like an empty seat, and the empty seat is the client, right? Like mm. this idea of not thinking from from yourself out from but from the person that you're trying to serve in. And and the idea that it takes an hour and a half just to get beyond stop thinking about who's going to marry your baby. <laughs> you know, like something, you know, start thinking about why your kid is so great and start asking yourself who would actually want to marry m- marry him. Um, is, uh, is, is a real, I could, I could absolutely see that based on myself and people that I work with. Right. Like I, I definitely went through this whole thing of like falling in love with all the things that this internet talk show thing does. Um, and it's taken me literally three years to get to, you know, really, some breakthroughs on who actually cares and like what it does for them. So, so once you once you, you do that an hour and a half, figuring out, paint a picture of them. You know, like write a love letter to them, engage in a fan fiction story with them. Um, once you once you have that person really really well done out, you've you have uh, decoupled the business owner from their product, and you now have them standing next to the client, looking in at the product. What's the next conversation?
1: Then we need to get into the more specifics around some of the behavioral and purchasing psychology. Mm -hmm. So then they need to know what problem do they have? How are they trying to solve that problem now? What mistakes have they made trying to solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite set of questions is what are the good expectations this person has of your company? And what are the bad expectations? Mm -hmm. That if we go back to that IT company example, when we walked through it with the lawyer and we were like, hey, you know, the lawyer, what does he think of? When he thinks of an IT company, what are some of his bad expectations? And it's it's going to take forever. It's going to be a gigantic project. It's going to interrupt his whole team. He's going to need to spend all of his time taking care of this. Like the whole thing that those expectations are coming across in those first sentences when we put that stuff out there. And that's what we need to look at. How do we manage those expectations better from that very first sentence?
0: Got it. All right. So person's detailed. You spend all this time like getting them in. And then now you just start essentially saying in your own words what their experience, what they think their experience is going to be, what they wish their experience was, what they're trying to solve for. Um mm-hmm. you know, like those kinds of things. And do you do you need to ask it multiple different ways for the same thing? Um I do. people okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. The the questions have been uh so a lot of companies collect maybe five to ten data points. On a target customer, their age, their demographic, how much do they make, what's their job title, and they kind of leave it there. Uh, we dig into about seventy-five different data points on the person. There's just so much more I need to know, even through the purchase process. Yeah. Uh, and and we worked with a company out in Catalina that was trying to bring in businesses from LA to come do excursions on Catalina with them to mm-hmm. take their car, bring their corporate business to Catalina Island to have a day vacation. And we built the persona of the business owner. And as we got down to now the purchasing process of it, what we found out is it's not the owner. He's not the one going online, looking for something to do. He's assigning it to 24 year old Brittany to say, hey, go find something fun for us to do and bring me some options. And so that target customer changes. And this is why part of it is let's identify that person, talk about some of those behaviors and how they're gonna buy. And let's just go through it. Let's just talk through it step by step. What is this person going to do that I've seen so many companies love to build from the company out? And I think a lot of marketing companies support this because they're going to come in and say, Pablo, what's your mission? What are your values? What do you care about? And, oh, Pablo, I don't give a shit. I don't care about your mission and values. I need to build from the person in. What do they care about? Let's start there and build that path to know that we've figured out every step.
0: So I do care like, about
1: you. I do care about you, by the way. I'm I, sorry. That, I, was, that I, was just I, an I, example, Pablo.
0: Joe, <laughs> I man, I can tell you care because the energy you bring and the theatricality you br- the <laughs> theatricality you bring means means <laughs> the world to me, man. So, like, do not don't you worry about me, buddy. I'm having a great time over here. Um, so, what I'm hearing is mapping the client journey, right? Like from from when when that person is problem unaware to becoming problem aware and who brings it to them. And, and then from being problem aware to solution unaware and how they figure out, you know, where they start to look for solutions, uh, what their expectations are when they're doing it. Once they go from solution aware, you know, how they start kind of like contextualizing it, what they're probably going to hear from their friends or, you know, different things like that, right. All the way through till, um, how far through it do you do it, man? Do you go? Do you go into like until they purchase? Do you go until they succeed and then they are are looking for another one? Do you go until they succeed? And they're self servant. Like how how far through that customer journey do you map?
1: Uh, for the initial part that we do to get to that first sentence that we need to create, mm-hmm. it's up until the point of purchase. Okay. So if we need to continue working with a client from there, if they need more help, we can finish mapping it out through the process yes. through the nurturing. And getting them from there, but in order to write that first sentence, I need to know how they're going to buy and get to that point.
0: So you have you have a model of a person completely formed. You have a um, <laughs> what's that? a map quest printed out directions uh, from when they from when they um, from when their boss brings it to them to the point where they hire you. What's next after that?
1: Uh, so that kind of covers week two and week three of working with uh-huh. us. Yeah. In week four, you leave us alone and you let us put it all together. So, I've okay. got all the interviews from you. I have all the answers from you. Uh, we get competitors. I'm going to look at competitor research. I'm going to look at the first email you send back to someone when they reach mm-hmm. out. I'm going to look at any customer surveys you've conducted. I'm going to look at any reviews you might have. And all of those, then, all get into the data. So, that comes back to the team. We distill it all, put together the customer acquisition strategy with that new first sentence is the cherry
0: on top. Got it. Okay. So, so if I'm here, cause I'm, as you can tell, I'm just trying to deconstruct this to do this myself. Yeah. Um. So you, you are, so it probably is going to take somebody a week or two to really just like be in a, you know, be thinking about it, be journaling, have their team together, bouncing ideas and up and down until, until like they construct that perfect model of the client it takes another week to just really understand the every step on the client journey, right? Like printing out that Mapquest. Um, And then, and then it'll take another week of sounds like from you uh, data point and signal gathering from everything else from the, yep. what is the thing that you're sending out to looking at reviews to hear kind of like what it sounds like people think of you so that you can contextualize beyond just what's inside that room. Um, other you're looking at competitors competitive analysis um, stuff like that all yep. of this before you actually start writing down anything
1: living it and then distilling it down yeah i just need to, to soak it all in
0: what are what are the biggest obstacles during this like during this like model creation and map questing and and like data gathering where do people get hung up on this like where do you where do you find yourself being like Hey guys, right now you've just gone a little bit too far. Let's take it. Let's take it easy.
1: Uh, usually during the interview process. So yeah. while asking those questions, it, if it was easy enough to just hand over the questions,
0: yeah,
1: it'd be great, but it's, yeah. I, I I know the answers that I need to get and my team. We, we know the answers that we're looking for. And so it's kind of coaxing and pushing and hitting a little bit that one of the clients uh, he's like, Joe, I-, I love it. You know, I think I'm done giving you answers and you just keep pushing me for more. And it's, it's cause it's in here. Everyone knows it. Like so much of what I do is just listen.
0: Yeah. If if you were to kind of like distill how you sort through what's a good answer and what's a bad answer, right? Like what's the, what are you looking for? When does it feel right for you? If, if, you know, obviously you just have an intuition about it, but like, how would you describe the, Ah, oh, yeah, we finally got this thing.
1: Uh, I need to get them past what I call the big six. A lot of companies default their value to one of these six things. They think their value is saving time, saving money, it's easy to use, it's revolutionary, it helps you get control, or my favorite one, we've been in service this long. But, but the problem with those is they're not unique. They don't help to address the specific problem that the person's having, and they're not good to you. If we're talking about saving time, uh, Chicago Public Transportation can say, hey, I save you time. If we want to talk about saving money, Taco Bell can say, hey, I save you money. If we want to talk about uh, control, Nesquik gives me control over how much chocolate syrup I want to put inside my milk. Like we need to find better, more structured arguments that speak more to the things that are actually impacting that person instead of these generalities.
0: Got it. So beyond the generalities, man, I, dude, I struggle with this so much. It was, I remember, I remember spending like a year just on this like thesis of, yeah, we shortened the sales cycle and uh, and being like, that is so completely hollow. You know, like I I intuitively knew it going out of yearly planning and yet we still spent a whole year trying to sell it and i really wish that i would have talked to you um more at that point but that being said so you have this figured out right so what i'm what i'm really hearing joe is i'm hearing that you have created an extreme level of differentiation uh as far as who it's f- you know like somewhere in the combination of like who it's for exactly um, what it is that the problem that you're actually solving in order of beyond just like this, like overall thing, but a specific soren in a specific point that hurts particularly much. And, um, and then you also are contextualizing it to what everybody else is saying to a certain extent reaches a very differentiated, uh, message, a very differentiated pain point problem to solve for a specific person. Is that kind of right?
1: It is. It is. And then every word we use from there. So one of the one of the guys that works on the team with me on some of these first sentences has his master's in poetry. And so the sentences, they, oh, they are poetic, sir, by the time we get done with them. One of my favorite ones, I just had a, a really big challenge recently because we, we work with B2B. You know, we just worked with a fractional CFO, the IT company, the cannabis delivery company. Uh, recently, we had a client who's a beauty show. And they wanted us to help rewrite the first sentence to get more people to come to their beauty show. And I remember when the project came in, I was like, okay, here's the real test if the process we've created really holds up. Because holy shit, I never planned on helping a beauty show. Uh, Their first sentence was celebrating the next hundred years of beauty. Which just didn't, didn't mean anything. It didn't tell me why I wanted to go to the show, what it is. Uh, So we changed it and the messaging was so radical that they waited and they're building next year's campaigns around the new messaging. And I got 13 people, Pablo, 13 people on a call to say this first sentence is us and we'd love it. Their new first sentence, crazy, inspiring beauty show packed with badass hair and original people. And they responded, I would buy a ticket for that thing immediately, just based on that title. And when you look at it comparison-wise against the competitors, no one is speaking like that. But for their 25-year-old salon owner that they're trying to get into these shows, it's spot on with what they're looking for, that differentiation from the industry.
0: Crazy, inspiring beauty show that what?
1: Packed with uh, badass hair and original people.
0: Talk to me about each of those lo- each of those words, right? So is crazy inspiring? I, I mean, I'll try, right? Like it's crazy inspiring talking to the, like the future state of the person that is going to be, you know, like seeing them on stage, right? Like wanting to see them uh, packed with badass hair is talking to that salon owner as like differentiating that, like, if you do this, you're a badass on stage and then packed with the original people, it's just like, kind of like self-validation future state of, everybody involved of like, this is what makes us unique kind of thing. Uh, I mean, am I, am I warm? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. And you're getting on that self-validation side that I need the person to be able to see themselves in that sentence as
0: well. Mm. That's
1: the big part
0: of it. Tell me more. So who, who is the person there? Like describe to me that person, you know, like build me the model of like the person settled on.
1: Oh, 25 year old salon owner. Uh, Her name is Jordan. She lives in the burbs. She has about four or five people that work for her already. She doesn't really like the industry because she thinks the industry is a little bit older. It's not really talking to her needs. It's focused more on these bigger things. And as we dug into it with the owners, we found out just like where some of the messaging had come from to begin with. And a lot of it was distilled down from distributors. Mm. That the salon owners would get the distributor and the product messaging and pass that through as their messaging. And the problem is that they're targeting this end result person and not the person who's attending the conference. And so that was the big shift for them, that there was they were targeting the customer's customer instead of going after the salon owner themselves.
0: Got it. So like Vidal Sassoon or whatever is targeting the person who's here, I'm going to cut, but you're trying to attract the person who's... Uh, cutting the hair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Styling yep. the hair, right? I'm obviously a obviously a dude out here. Um pratiti's putting badass hair speaks to today's generation. Venya's putting those no side parts allowed. They take center stage, right? Like all the <laughs> stuff. I uh man, yeah. I, I think a lot about this stuff when I'm when I'm designing podcasts and and or shows and/or whatever I'm doing, I think of the idea of the name of something needs to be uh, flattering to the person that you're inviting to be the guest, right? Like, oh, 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 you think I'm a community builder? That's, yeah, okay, yeah, I want to come on the show. And a future, like a future state of the person I want to listen to, right? Like, oh, I want to listen to B2B community builders because I myself want to become one. And it sounds like that's kind of like the um, the thread that you are uh, weaving or the needle that you're threading, however you say that, um, in this first line. It's pretty cool, man. I like it. It, it is, yeah. And then we just
1: helped a, a different IT company, actually, Uh, this one's based out in California and for them, we actually helped them come up with a new name for the company as well. And the name needs to reflect that end result of what they're going to get. And so their, their name was Avrio networks, which just didn't, didn't, no one knows what it means and the sit well, uh, their new name that we're helping them roll out. And we're very excited to be working with him on the brand and building that with the company is simply up it. Oof. Night and day. Night and day with just words. This is just a name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Simply up, man. I, you know, one of the, I, I I keep going back to this idea of, of category design, right? Like, and, and one of, one of the concepts there is the, the adjacent possible, right? Like how can you, how can you name something? How can you create language that makes someone be like, oh, there's this one little leap that you can take here. And it's very tangible and very doable versus well, I'm jumping off the cliff. Right. <laughs> um And, and, and it feels like that's kind of part of, that's part of the magic, right. It's, it's having it, having it be simple enough to understand simply up, right. Like, oh yeah, I just want this. I just want this stuff to be done. And yeah. it's not like full service digitack, you know, like, or whatever. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And where where some of this comes from is uh, behind the scenes, I'm I'm a conversion rate optimizer. Uh This This is where so much of this stemmed from of how do you increase conversion rates? And years ago, when we worked with tourism websites, we ran a test on the tourism websites of what should the button text say? Should it say buy tickets or should it say book now? And book now, book removes the idea of payments and ideas from your mind instead of buying. So it's a little lower priority. Mm -hmm. But what we tested and we found out was if that button says, see dates, 25% more people enter the checkout process. Two words, 25% more people, which then made me just wonder, holy crap, what are we saying in the first sentence? And I think that's what started to get me down this road of if those two words are that powerful, how powerful is the first sentence on the website? And that's where I started seeing what's happening with that messaging.
0: What do you think, what do you think worked between book now and see dates? Uh, the
1: old sales mentality of sell to the next step. We're not, we're not, I'm not booking. When I click that button, it's going to give me a calendar and let me choose the date that I need to choose. Don't, I'm not buying the ticket yet. I'm just going to choose the dates. Just sell to the next step. Get me to the next thing. And this is what we see on websites a lot as well. Uh, Websites have changed. Websites used to be a digital storefront. It's what it grew from. This was my store in the late 90s, early 2000s. Great. This is our digital store. Come on in, shop around, choose your own adventure. What do you like? But now what we're seeing is that the most effective websites, the highest converting websites act more like a digital salesperson than they do a digital store. And that salesperson is just selling you to the next step. I just need to get you on the phone. I just need to say enough to you to not satiate your curiosity either. How do I keep you curious enough to reach out and not even say too much that you're going to say, oh, I need to think about this more. So it all, it all has to get balanced in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to that adjacent possible concept and very obvious to why. When I get super excited and I and you start, I start talking about like, yeah, and you get to do this and you get to this and you get to this, you know, like the confused mind doesn't buy, right? So like the idea of how to say just enough to move you along to the next step instead of, you know, all the things that you wish you could say, I feel like is uh, is really, really valuable there. Is there a is there a framework or a formula that you think of for this first sentence, man? Like, do you have some kind of like in your head E 30% logos, 30% pathos, 30% ethos or something like that. Is there anything like that?
1: Uh, no, no set formula on that side. So what happens is after we kind of get all the answers, we're doing that research, we pull it all in. We talked about that week four, going through and molding it all and getting it together mm-hmm. is then it's at that point that we're also looking for what what does this need to be so we can go back through and start to pull out from the answers. Here's all the problems you solve. Here's all the solutions you have that you can offer to someone. And we start to distill those things down. And we start to say, here, here's the three problems I want you to talk about. And here's the three solutions I want you to talk about. Mm. And that's it. This is your lane. If you stay in these lanes with these problems and these solutions, you're going to win. If you start drifting outside of those conversations, then we create more questions then you're not positioned to win anymore inside those conversations. So let's just talk about the stuff you know best and stay in that lane.
0: You know, as I'm, as, as you're saying all this, I'm like, all right, this is exactly what you did with your business, right? Like I I feel, (laughs) I feel like you went from like customer persona research and all the stuff that's, you know, like it starts getting really, really daunting to one sentence on your website, let's figure it out. And then you can walk in the door do all the customer persona stuff that you need to deliver this like one thing that everybody freaking wants that then leads to, oh, yeah. And by the way, now that you've worked with us, you understand that this thing works like this and this thing works like that. And I can build you a whole website plus a bunch of other stuff. Is that kind of true?
1: Yep, spot on, spot on. No, we, I needed something people could understand and yeah. the difference between this is what the sentence was, this is what the sentence is. You can hear it. I've, I've used some examples on you today and you can hear the first sentence. You hear the second sentence you're like, Oh my, that is quite different. And that's why I need. I needed that comprehension aspect of it. That you you know what I do. You know what you're getting when you work with
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So talk to me once. All right. So, so first sentence is set. You know, what else, what else do I need to know about deploying that first sentence?
1: Deploying it? Uh, so, don't know yet, but by the time we finish working with someone, So week four, you leave us alone. Week five, I present the new strategy and I present the new first sentence to you. Uh, With that, I make it a formal attire presentation as well. So it's a big deal in that meeting. I am fundamentally changing the way your company looks at generating revenue. Dress up, show up. This is a huge deal. So that's our week five meeting. Then week six, we go back over that same presentation And then we say, okay, what are the five things we need to do next? And there's a company that we worked with that's a a ballistics intelligence company Mm -hmm. that they process bullet casings to tell you what gun it came from. And some of the stuff they were doing around these online ads and these blogs weren't working and they were confused as to why it wasn't working. And when we narrowed it down to 38-year-old Mark, who's a lieutenant at the local police department, he's not online he's not spending time going and reading these blogs about this new technology or clicking on these ads that the simplest thing they could do was just start to do personal outreach to some of these local police departments and send them some lunch, send them a little brochure of what you do and actually get back into physical tactics. And that's, that's once we know that person as well, Mm. that then we can say, this is how we can win them.
0: I love that, man. I love, um, I love how it opens the door. You know, you found the choke point of where everything else can then open up, right? Um, that story that you're telling me reminds me of um, my buddy, Kurt, whos uh, who I'm coaching right now um, as he becomes marketing director of his company. They're a HVAC product. I'm helping them with like a POV and all these different things. They wanted to launch a campaign to educate. They have a truly differentiated product, right? Like mm. normally... Uh, commercial HVAC components in order to change like a like a fan array you need to like shut down the building for like a month and open up a wall and bring something in a fork they that, that have this thing that you can like carry in in an elevator um shut down you know shut down just like one chiller for like an hour or two or or half a Saturday be in and out really really phenomenal so they're trying to educate the Tampa market on on this stuff. And he's like, man, I want to run a campaign. I'm thinking that I can run Facebook ads if I have this like video and this and that. I'm like, hey man, how many um how many people do you need to do you need to reach? He's like, like a hundred. I'm like, so why would you want to run a Facebook ad when you can just look up the licenses of certified mechanical contractors in Tampa, you get a hundred addresses, you send them, you know, I had just received this like pair of socks from my buddy, Dennis, Yu, who has this company called uh video socks where he sends you a pair cool. of socks plus a postcard with a video in it. I'm like, send them a pair, send like a hundred people a pair of socks with the video that you want them to see and fuck a fucking Facebook ad, bro. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so, so the idea of just like, If you know, if you know the intent, right? Like if you know who the person is for and you know the, and you know what you're trying to reach, that really just opens up the idea of you can truly be a strategist for somebody Um, as opposed to you have this like one thing that you do for everybody. You figured out the one thing you do for everybody as the way to find their strategic choke point.
1: Yep. And that's why when we get into all those details about, you know, what does the person drive to work? How long is their drive to work? Is that then I want to get inside that situation where you picture that person sitting down at their desk with all the other shit they have going on in their day and they see an ad or they get an email from you. Why should they give a shit what you have to say? Because if we can figure that out, we can figure everything else out from there. If we can figure out why they would care about that email you sent, that message you sent, then it all works backwards.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Um, how do you ever work with a uh, extremely undifferentiated products? Like what if someone's a life coach or a, or a business coach or something like that, right? Like, how do you, how do you start? So like Pratiti is saying, you know, this is exactly what she's been struggling with. It's what, what to say on the first page and her imagine page. Um, I know what Pratiti's is like, uh, she, she's a coach and the realtor and she hosts these women, these women's retreats. Um, how would you, how would you begin to kind of like whittle that stuff down?
1: Uh, it's still the, the formula is still the same of who's the person, what problem do they have? How do you solve that problem? And this is where, yeah, between all the companies we've worked across my national opioid rehabilitation facility Mm -hmm. all the way back into cannabis and then back through fractional CFOs. Like it's still the same formula. It's it's super old. I didn't invent this either. I'm just going to throw that one out there. This is, we can go all the way back to the early 1900s with a man named Claude Hopkins was considered one of the grandfathers of advertising and one of his big sayings was we need to learn how to win one before we can go after thousands Mm -hmm. and and it's that concept i need one person all the way through so even for pretiti we need to figure out who is that one person that she's going to love first and i do i do have some criteria to help with that we can we can talk a little bit about some of the criteria for figuring out that first person. Please. Would that be helpful?
0: Yeah, that'd be super helpful.
1: Oh, all right, all right. For TD, anyone else who's listening, so here here are the six things that I want you to think about with that first person. Uh, first thing, I want you to look at how much does it cost to acquire that person? We want to go after people we can actually get a hold of. Who's in our network? Who can we actually get in touch and get in front of to begin with? Then I want to figure out of those people, who's going to spend the most with you per transaction? Then I want to decide who's going to have the highest lifetime value, which is in that similar set. I want to pick someone who has the best referral network. How can I just pick this person who's going to tell five more people? Don't let me pick the loner who's going to be alone and not tell anyone else about me. Who's got the referral network? Uh, I want to know who's going to benefit the most from this. Is there someone maybe like you if you built it for yourself, but who's going to benefit the most? And my last criteria is someone you enjoy working with. Pick someone you'd actually want to hang out with and let's try to win that person. We can, let's plan to win the people we really want because we're probably still going to win the people we don't want. Those, those ones are still going to come in anyways. Let's plan for the ones that we really want to work with.
0: It's almost like um it's almost like the dream 100 concept, but the dream one, <laughs> right? <Like> it's, <laughs> it's, it's who is right. If you're going to, if you're going to zero in on one persona, it's just really understand all the, all the things that could really work. Right. So like, if I'm, if I'm thinking about Pratiti, I'm thinking, you know, she is in, she's in the outskirts of Philadelphia. Right. So, um, and is hosting these female retreats on top of doing this like coaching stuff. So it's probably um, uh, a female in her maybe like early fifties, late forties, something like that, that is, in right now maybe her kids are her kid her 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 kid is about to go to college she only has one child um and therefore a bunch of disposable income because not a million kids and that kid is going to college she's looking for a new identity at that moment after working for um you know a specific as at a, at a law firm or something like that or as an architect or or something like that isn't having it and therefore you know needs some like guidance on something like that. Maybe she's she's also gone through a, a recent tragedy in her life as well. Um, you know, like these kinds of things that are that are very I'm 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 trying to get like as specific as possible. Maybe she's also a child of immigrants, um yeah. which which also comes with a with a wide set of like a network and and stuff like that. Um I don't know man. What else what how how, how help me spitball here? It, it, I mean, it becomes a
1: cloud of information about that person. Yeah. And this is where the, there's the step then after that, where I need to like, yes, this is the state she's in. These are the things she's feeling,
0: uh-huh. but
1: then I need to get back into what problem does she have?
0: Mm.
1: And that's what I really want to latch onto. I want to know uh, when she wakes up and goes through her day, what are some of the things that she's doing during her day? And then as you think about it, well, she's, you know, she's checking emails and she's getting this like, great. Then what problems come up from that? Mm. and then look to say great here's here's the problem I'm going to attack this is the one I'm going to go all in on
0: mm. awesome Joe. um what else man what have i not asked you so far this has been awesome like i'm i'm a little bit hypnotized by all your movement and your good looks and all this stuff right so like if you can if you can help me out like i feel like you got this
1: <laughs> oh hey okay oh. Hey, all right all right we'll keep, it, keep it pg keep it pg, yeah. keep it PG. <laughs> uh, i mean there's there's i have a bunch of resources on our site So at martinchicago.com, if you go all the way down to the bottom, you'll see our blog. And inside there are the the six requirements for choosing or six ways to identify your first customer. There's uh, six problems with the first sentence on your website is on there as well. So you can look for some of those. And then we even give some examples of first sentences on your websites with here's what the sentence was. Here's why it wasn't working. Here's the new sentence. Here's why it works. So, so much in there that I'm trying to educate where I can to really help people make this change. Cause it's, it, it's, it's a need now like this. We were able to kind of lay back with messaging. I think over the past few years, because we were still growing. You still have new companies coming online and starting to take some market share and advertise, but now you need to stand out. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to have the same messaging, to have bland generic messaging because there's too much competition. It's too easy to see anyone else who's out there.
0: Excellent, bro. Excellent. All right, man. I'm going to start letting people in for the open mic session where everybody just kind of joins. You, yeah. have, I would love to have you hang out. If you got to go do something, that's cool too. But um, I think it's going to be a ton of value. In the meantime, man, how do people, you said the martinchicago.com, six ways to identify your target customer. I'm going to, I shared it in the You shared it in the chat. I shared it in the chat. We're going to link to it in the show notes. Uh, beyond that, man, how do people get a hold of you? How do people reach out to connect? Do you want more friends?
1: i mean i got maybe a few more friends just every person comes with their own drama but uh no absolutely so joe at martinchicago.com that's the way to get a hold of me so email reach out happy to get on the phone to see if there's something we can do about your first sentence even if it's just kind of pushing you in the right direction nudging you the right way and get people going this is because I guess my big thing here is uh, ultimately, so Pablo, I don't know, I think we've talked about this before, that I do the weird thing with my company that for the past six years, we work for six weeks and then we take off for two. And so this is why the whole business model is built around getting this first sentence done in six weeks as well. And ultimately what I want to see is when we adjust that first sentence, it, it wastes less money in other places that the... The, the better your messaging, the shorter your sales process. And if that sales process is shorter and people can understand more what you do, there's savings to be had in the company. And my hope is that if companies start really taking the time to fall in love with that target customer to get the right messaging, that that same mindset shifts back to employees. And that we can start looking at how to run companies that, that give people more time in their day and have a little more flexibility with what they're doing. And some of that empathy that I think needs to exist in business that just hasn't been existing in business for a long time, because those two words don't go together. You need to be able to just cut someone off if they're not doing well and move your business along because profit, 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 growth, growth, growth. And I think that we need to bring just a little bit of that empathy back and start caring about the people that we bring into our organizations.
0: I love it, man. Thank you for, thank you for that. Thanks for coming on. Right. Like I, um, I think from the moment we we met at Justin Breen's launch event in Chicago, table of like four super smart guys. Um and uh from from the first moment, just kind of like your energy and your enthusiasm really just stood out. And I I've I've really just the more I get to know you, the more um in awe of you I am from your Instagram account where you are singing uh Kanye West covers on a on an acoustic guitar at bars. <laughs> To just the way that you have evolved through this messaging message, which I think is very impressive as a messaging nerd myself, to this idea of you know having a truly differentiated business model that you get to work for four weeks and take two weeks off, man. I think that is just like such a superhuman achievement. Um that I that I'm uh, that I'm in awe of, man. And I'm just like happy that we get to be friends and I'm pumped that you did this with me again, man. So thanks, thanks for doing this again.
1: Oh, sweetheart. You're such a sweet man, Pablo. Thank you for having me. And and for you, for doing this, that I think that uh, it's important to get these kind of messages out there to share this kind of stuff. And it takes creators like you who are dedicated to getting these stories, working with people like me that that otherwise someone wouldn't have heard of. And that I kind of operate just a little bit under the radar with the stuff we're doing here in Chicago. But for you to be able to pull it out and make some of these things more present and more public for other people to understand, I just I really appreciate the time and effort you to put into this. Thank you.
0: Awesome, buddy. Well, that's the uh, that's the end of season five of the B two B Community Woo! Builder Show. Woo! Yeah. All right, that is awesome. Total man crush. Not gonna lie. So here's the deal. What's coming next? Great question. As you know, I'm obsessed with category design, and I'm launching a community for category designers at categorythinkers.com. It's going to be that place to take people from the category curious to the category capable. And, you know, Christopher Lockhead's behind it. Uh, Al and all the Play Bigger guys are behind it. I'm partnering with my friends, Mike Damphouse, who is the partner of Kevin Maney at Category Design Advisors, and my good buddy, John Ruggie, who is another one of the foremost thought leaders in category design, been publishing content on it for years now. And we are creating this community That I'd love to have you be a part on. In the meantime, I am really focusing my efforts there while I have downsized my company, right? I have essentially just figured out that I want to grow inside of my client base and um, really add a ton of value in that way. It's been a it's been a profound experience for me to understand that I much rather build a customer intimacy model than like a giant production capacity model. And it took me a little while to understand it. And now that I understand it, it took me a little while to implement it. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing experience with everybody from my team that I've called out to here over the years. Um, but sadly, they're all kind of moving on to their, their next things, except for uh, uh, JP and uh, and me, right? We're, we're, we're staying together here. So what does it mean for the show? For the show, it means that I'm going to focus my content more on what I'm learning inside my clients themselves. I've realized that I've treated myself as a client for a long time, and that has given me the insights of how to serve my clients better. Now that I am just going really deep into their strategies, I'm starting to really understand what the person that can benefit from the stuff that we do here is, like who they are, and how they actually benefit from this stuff by being able to tweak the different strategies and get context. So um, I've realized that that is the evangelist CEO, right? That person that founded their company based on this problem that they wanna solve, this mission that they're on. They've built a company around this mission. They're missionaries, not mercenaries. And what they're trying to do is get that message get that get that care for the problem out there as much as possible and the way that they do that is you know the thing that they've been struggling with right whether it's growing a sales force and not being able to train everybody exactly on message or you know things like that that's the stuff that i'm really helping on right now so if you're that kind of person that's that's the type of content that's coming here soon. In the meantime, this uh, feed will stay active and it's not going to be these long form interviews. It's going to be insights that I'm getting from being inside the guts of my clients right now um, that hopefully will be action things that you can implement yourself. So stay tuned for now. After that, uh, does it become another live show again? Does it become a interview style show. All that stuff is uncertain. But Before right now, you're just going to get a bunch of like really actionable, current aha moments that I'm having as we tweak content strategy, communication strategy, um, trade show stuff, activations, right? Like basically the intersection between making content and building relationships and building a company in order to scale your message as an evangelist CEO that really cares about a specific type of problem or a specific type of person. Um, And by doing so, you care about everybody around you. So stay tuned for all that stuff. I love you for having been a part of this journey so far. And uh, I'll see you soon. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. In the meantime, remember that relationships will always beat transactions. See ya.